Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Hello, hello, everybody. I am so happy to be here today with somebody that I've known for one or two minutes. <laughs> no, I, Leah Pinelli and I have actually known each other for a very long time. We shared <laughs> another life together, and she is freaking amazing, you guys. And today we are going to talk about what is really getting in the way of you losing your weight. Mm. You know, we, so many people yo-yo around with the weight and they think to themselves, like, I could just, if I have the willpower, I can do it. Yes. <laughs> yes. But I want to tell you guys, there are other things at play. Yeah. So the first thing, if you've struggled, stop beating yourself up mm -hmm. because there's other stuff that's at play that maybe you don't yet know about. And we're here to share that with you guys today. So Leah, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Hey, hi. Yes, Janae and I were just talking. We've known each other for like 20 years, I think at least. No, 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 no. Longer, longer than 20 years. Um, yeah, so my name is Leah Pinelli, and um, I used to tend bar with Miss G over there. And now she and I are in very different places in our lives, as we were just discussing. Um, I am a life coach. I specialize in helping women radically transform their relationship with food to stop overeating. Um, and we do that without the use of any diets or shakes or crazy workouts or willpower or all the things, right? Like we're done with that. We all know that that doesn't really work. At least it's not sustainable in the long run. Um, I myself lost 30 pounds many years ago now, um, by shifting my own mindset, which if you followed Judea, then you're going to already know a lot about that. But by shifting my mindset and then my habits with food, and now I'm on a mission um, to essentially free up all of that mental real estate that we women um, have been expending on counting calories and carbs and worrying about whether our clothes are going to fit or if our muffin top is hanging over our jeans or all of that mental energy. I'm on a mission to free that up so that we can actually focus on what really matters in our lives, whether that's your career or your kids or your community. That is what, um, what I am here to do. Cause I'm really passionate about changing the trajectory for the next generation of girls and doing that unapologetically. That's why I am. <laughs> so good. So good. Okay. So, First of all, why do we want to dip into thinking differently about food and weight? Like, what is it? In, what is in it for people to shift to make this shift instead of to do something other than the stuff that they've been doing for the last twenty years, maybe or ten years or five years? Or why do we want to do this? Why do we want to make a shift and do something different than all the day di di diet dating? Hmm, interesting. Yeah, all the <laughs> unconscious little things popping out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I know, right? Um, well, I mean, there. First of all, we want to do it differently I because you. I was going to say, is that your kitty? I'm a little little kitty. I'm oh. I'm in. 
an apartment swap right now, and I'm also taking care of a 17-year-old, really beautiful kitty named Demu. And sometimes he likes to talk. So if y'all hear him, just say I, hello. I thought it was a baby. And I was like, how did you not tell me that there's a baby? <laughs> um, yeah. So um, so the reason we want to do it differently is because it's not working. <laughs> right? Like Exactly. There's a result that you want and you're like literally living, not literally, but figures, figuratively, you're on a pendulum, right? Um, now, first, I should preface this, though, by saying that um, the women I work with is if, and I only work with female identified people, but the the women that I work with are, um, it's, a, it's a very specific woman in that she has done all the things. Like, <laughs> she is super smart. She has tried all the things. She knows how to like Google a diet and then follow it. She knows how to go to the grocery store. She knows how to plan her time to do all of her prepping and all the things, but it's still not working. And she's done this over and over and over. Typically, most of my clients have tried everything and they're exhausted and they're frustrated and they're angry <laughs> and they generally do not feel very good in their own skin. Um, and so that is specifically who I work with. Um, and so then to ask, to answer your question then, Janea, of, you know, well, why do we want to do it differently? And, and, and that's because for my women, they have tried a million things and nothing has worked. Um, and so it's time to try something new, right? And, and this is where for me, when I first learned, I was actually already a life coach um, when I first heard about weight loss coaching. And I, I literally had the thought, I thought, well, that sounds like a scam because if that worked, I would have done it already. Right? <laughs> I had done everything. Like I had done Weight Watchers. Right. I, I, you know, I had done a, a, like South Beach, like you name it, carbohydrate addicts. Like I did everything. Um, and so I thought that there's no way that works because if it worked, I would have heard about it already. I would have done it already. Um, but then I ended up through my own coaching practice, I ended up like kind of stumbling upon a couple of tools that turned out to be weight loss coaching tools. And I lost seven pounds without even trying, without dieting, without willpower, without any of it. And I'm like, wait, okay, what's happening here? Like now I'm really curious and I really want to know more. And I had already given up on dieting like years ago. Like I had a baby and I was like, fuck it. I forgot to ask you about language. That's okay. It's okay. Sorry. <laughs> We're all adults here. <laughs> um, but, you know, I had given up. I was like, this is it. I'm just going to be overweight for the rest of my life um, because I'm tired. Like, and now I have a baby and a career. I don't want to think about this anymore. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I have other things. I have a baby. Way more important. I have a career. Way more important than worrying about my weight. So I just stopped. And I just was resolved to be 30 pounds overweight. Weight, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. 30 pounds overweight for the rest of my life. And that was going to be the deal. Um, and, and, but it was, it wasn't so much my weight, to be honest with you. And this, a lot of my clients feel this way. It's not so much our weight, although it is our weight. Like we don't feel great, but we can kind of like just live with it. Like just accept this like mediocre kind of existence with our bodies. But it was my relationship with food that bothered me the most because I would obsessively think about food, right? I was always thinking about the next meal or what I ate at the last meal. Was that the right thing? Maybe I should go back to paleo. Like I was always thinking about it. And that was the part that I just hated because I just wanted to be free from it, you know? Right. I mean, I experienced the same thing. It was... So my life was always a yo-yo. I did all the cleanses. I did all the things. And in the back of my mind, you know, I said out to the world, I'm doing this cleanse so I can be healthier. 
But really, in the back of my mind, it's like, I hope I lose at least 10 pounds on this yes. cleanse. Yes. And <laughs> so, yes. and it was always, it was always the back and forth. You're thinking about food all of the time. And so when we really get down to the why, we want to transform on a different level. And you and I both work with different tools, but I think we really get to the crux of the same stuff is, do you want to stop thinking about food all the time? Do you want to live your life fuller, live your life being able to just not worry about where your next meal is going to come from? There's a, there's a scarcity model that lives in your food when your food mind, when you're there, it's like, oh my God, oh my goodness, I got to work nine hours. Am I going to be hungry? Like, I got to make sure that I have snacks. Is there some place close to eat? Like what's going to happen if I, if I'm not hungry, if there's, I can't get some food in my body. Anxiety, right? Like we get really anxious. Yes. A hundred percent. And, and you know, what happens to a lot of my clients is, um, when we really think about how much time we're spending doing everything that you just said, Janae, like how much time we're yep. spending thinking about food, not just what what we're going to eat next and when we're going to eat and how we're going to eat and if we're going to get hangry and all the things, but then also anxiety about what we already ate and the choices we already made and how they're going to like when you take all of that and you eliminate it, like just I call that mind chatter. Right. And when you can eliminate the mind chatter. If you can imagine how much then space you would have in your brain, if you no longer thought that way, I've actually had, I had one woman in my group say um, that she now was bored because she didn't know what to think about. And that she (laughs) like starting her own business because she had literally, she had so much more time on her hands than she had before because she had been spending so much time thinking and worrying and agonizing about food and weight and all the things. So this is where I really believe that if we women could all free ourselves from this, which I do believe we can, and and that is my mission. That is what I do. If we can free ourselves from this, I think we would like Katie Couric says in the movie misrepresentation, which if you haven't seen, you should run, not walk to go watch it. But she says like, if, if we women, and this is not a direct quote, but it's, I'm paraphrasing here. If we women spent a 10th of the time that we're currently spending thinking about food and weight, if we spent a 10th of that time on thinking about leadership positions or running for office, we would change. We would be, there would have been a female president by now. We would be running the show, right? But it's because we're so distracted by right. you know, by all of this. And it's so unnecessary. Um, but, but like you said at the beginning, G, it's unnecessary, but it's totally understandable because first of all, we've been socialized this way. And second of all, we're hardwired, right? Like scarcity mentality, like you're talking about, is hardwired in us, right? We have to actively shift those mindsets in order to get a different result. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, scarcity like comes across food, money, time, relationship. It's, it's, and if you have a scarcity mindset in one of the areas, it probably filters into the other areas. And one of the things I love about what I do is literally getting to the root causes of what, yeah, what's causing that and rewiring that out of you talked about being hardwired you know in certain ways we have these certain beliefs and i get down to like the nitty-gritty and the source cause of that and rewire it out of your brain because i work with the unconscious mind Mm -hmm. it's interesting one thing i've really noticed that makes me laugh every time 
sometimes I'll be wandering around, you know, and I'm hungry. So I'll walk into a store or a convenience store, a bakery or something, whatever it might be. I'm looking for some food. And because I've changed my relationship with food and I've rewired, I work on myself with the tools I use for other people because I've rewired so much of it. I'll literally walk around. I'm like, oh, there's nothing like handy unless I just grab a piece of fruit. There's nothing handy for me to eat that my body actually wants. And that's that's the key right there, that my body really wants because it's not about what's going on in my mind or any anchors of relationships that I have to food. It's about what my body wants. And so I end up nine out of 10 times leaving a store, a convenience store, a food place with nothing because I would rather have nothing than put some crap in my body that my body doesn't want. And that is a huge thing. Like, Can you imagine, like all of you out there listening, watching, can you imagine what a difference that would be to not just shove something in your mouth because you're hungry, but your body is like, no, that's actually going to create a worse feeling in the long run and even the short run, right? Maybe even an hour later than feeling hungry right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what? Feeling hungry right now, too. We've also been socialized to fear hunger, right? Yeah. Like even just that term hangry, right? Like we have a real fear of hunger. And so that, you know, that again can turn into that pendulum swing where it's like, I remember I was always very afraid of being hungry, especially when I was a bartender. And we would have long shifts and you don't get a break, especially if you're working a shift by yourself. Um, and if you do get a break, we would use it to smoke cigarettes and not eat food. <laughs> right. But the, but the, so I would eat, I call this preventative eating where I would, and I remember this, like I would, in my mind, I think like I have to eat a huge meal before I go into my shift so that I don't get hungry for the next, you know, six, nine hours, however long my shift was going right. to be. And the thing is, is that didn't really work. Like, even if I ate a huge meal, I still would find myself hungry later on in the evening. But also I felt horrible. Like I felt horrible um, because I was so stuffed and bloated. Right. And that doesn't feel good enough to be energetic and talk to people. But meanwhile, I'm like trying to digest a huge burrito that I intentionally overate, thinking that it was going to stop me from getting hungry later. So that that idea of preventative eating, you know, or or women have been told forever to carry a snack in your purse because God forbid you get hungry. And it's like, we fear ourselves. Like we fear our own, hunger is a natural sensation that occurs in your body. And I'm not sitting here promoting, like you should just be running around hungry, but it's not also not something to fear, right? Like it's okay to walk into, feel like I'm kind of hungry, walk into a store. I don't see anything here that really serves me. I'm just going to wait a little while until I, you know, get home or get to the next restaurant or whatever it is. And it's just not a big deal. You're not like obsessing about it. You're not biting your partner's head off because you're hangry. It's like, it's just, it's, it's just, no, it's no big deal. Like, it's kind of like being a little tired. It's like, yeah, it's not great. We don't want to live our lives feeling totally tired, but like, it's also just not the end of the world to be a little tired and let it pass and move on. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it because we are so unconsciously programmed to avoid, and I think we'll really dig into this deep, avoid any kind of negative feeling. 
And because if we think about our nervous systems have progressed so much slower than the modern world. And way back when, when we were on the plains of the tundra or wherever we were, <laughs> if there was a threat, if there was a negative emotion that rose in our body, it meant we were going to, there was threat of death. And so when this happens, your unconscious is going to start to really notice anytime there's those stressful things or those uncomfortable emotions and your unconscious is going to really like drive you away from it. And your unconscious mind works so fast, you guys. I just mm -hmm. used this example in a talk that I'm going to do. Um, you think about the Nike swoosh, right? You see that symbol and your mind already knows it's Nike. Like you don't have to think about it because it is anchored into your unconscious mind. And it happens so fast and so quick that it shifts. It's like right there. You would have to do a three-step process to actually decide that it meant something else. And so that's how fast your unconscious mind will direct you. So if your unconscious mind sees some stressful situation that it's seen before, like, oh, my God, I'm going to be hungry. It's like it's going to drive you to a behavior so fast and so quick, you're completely unaware of it. And I think both Leah, you and I work with shifting those automatic responses or Absolutely. reactions. Let's call them reactions because they're so fast and so quick. It's like yeah. you feel like you have no choice in the matter. Totally. And and yeah, a thousand percent agree with you. Yes. And my clients also will, um, they have an awareness of it and they spend a ton of energy though, fighting that urge that surfaced, right? So it's kind of like you recognize, you recognize the Nike swoosh and then you're like, but no, 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 no. I don't want it to be Nike swoosh. I don't want it to happen. I don't want this to happen. I need to go distract myself. I need to go do this. I need to go do that. I need and then we end up spending a ton of energy trying to avoid that association, right? That, that, that reaction where, you know, it, so my clients do two things. Sometimes it's so automatic that they'll say to me, they'll say, I, I had like eaten the whole bag of chips before I even realized. Right. And, and I think that really gets to what you're saying, G, right. Where it's like so automatic and so quick, but then other times it's like, it's this compulsion of like, I always use this example of, and I have a lot of these examples, but one of them was, um, you know, I would um, cook like every night when I was washing dishes, especially when my son was very little and I was working a day job that I really hated. And I would every night be washing the dishes and I would be exhausted. I would be kind of disgruntled because I wasn't too, you know, I was expending a lot of energy in my day and I would not be able to get through washing the dishes without eating, you know, those Trader Joe's dark chocolate covered peanut butter cups. They're mm -hmm. delicious amazing and you should totally try them if you haven't um, but I would keep those in this cabinet right above the sink and I could not get through washing the dishes without eating somewhere between five and ten of those five on a good night right and I knew I was conscious enough to be like I don't want to be eating this this is not helping me my, my health this is not good for me to be eating just sugar every night especially right before I go to bed but I felt like I couldn't get through the dishes without them. And so a lot of it is like, it's it's either that automatic response for some women, and but then it's also just expending so much energy trying to fight off urges that you eventually give into because willpower is finite. We only have so much of it. Right. This is why 
So many of us overeat and overdrink in the evenings and on the weekends. And it's because you've used up all, you're like, you wake up Monday morning, you're like, I'm totally going to do it. And then by Tuesday night, you're like, I need a drink. And I like wheel of cheese. You know what I mean? Like, because right. it's all, it, you've used up willpower all day long. And we use willpower. We use willpower in every decision we make. It's not just with food. You're using willpower every time you, you walk past a, a store or you're on Amazon. You're like, oh, I really want that. No, no, no. I don't want to spend the money right now. You just used your willpower. Or your colleague says something to you that you think is asinine, but you like don't like fly off the handle and tell them that they're an idiot. You just use willpower, right? So we use willpower all day long. And then when it comes to the evening, there's truly none left, which is why so many of us overeat at that time of day. Um, so it's it's both, right? And I'm wondering, G, how do you see that in your work when, I mean, because you work with the unconscious mind, how do you see it then? Or do you see it? Does it come up for you with your clients in in that way of like, also then once you once it's no longer unconscious, um, how do you how do you work with it there, right? How do you not spend a ton of time fighting something that you wish wasn't there? You know, well, what, what I really do, and so uh, like my language and the way I work is just a little bit different. Willpower, I refer to as your conscious mind, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then there's your unconscious programming. Yeah. And so when we're conscious of something, like, you know, you're aware that you're eating the peanut butter cups, you're aware that you're doing it at the end of the day and all of that. Um, so you're bringing conscious awareness of it. And this is a really good thing. Like sometimes I'll see people's, I'll see what's going on with people. And it's always very important for me to bring their conscious awareness to the problem so that they can see it consciously because the conscious mind is actually more powerful in some ways than the unconscious mind, because you have willpower, you can override the unconscious programming. Right. But what happens is literally 95% of our brain activity is unconscious. 5% is conscious. It's like the captain of the ship. And if all of the crew is on board with you, you're going to go right where you want to go. Yeah. And if the crew is, if you've got some people that slack off, some terrible workers, some like people that turn the crew against you, you're going to be like, it's going to be forward, back, forward, back, forward, back. And so this is what happens. And a lot of times, especially with food, we have food. So that Nike swoosh is anchored into your neurology. That association is so clear. And when we think about cake and ice cream mm -hmm. and booze, most of those things are tied in our first experiences to celebration. Mm -hmm. to feelings of love and people are really just adoring us. Mm -hmm. So when you are tired, when you are sick, when you are depleted, when you are distracted, your unconscious mind takes over. You yeah. know, when you're driving home and then you get and you're lost in thought and you get home, you're like, whoa, I don't even remember because your unconscious mind drove you home and it only has the past to go on until you shift the programming in it. And so when uh, you're tired at the end of the day, you've had a really long day, your conscious mind just kind of dips down a little and your unconscious mind starts running the show. So if you're 
not feeling that great and your unconscious mind has this association to chocolate and love or a really great celebration, it has that anchor, mm -hmm. it will be like your unconscious mind, like, oh, I want to feel better. So if I do this, it will make me feel better. And then, and you know, you feel better for a second, but then your conscious mind is like, what the hell did I just do? Right, right, right. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So when you break those anchors, basically you break the, that's one of the things I do when people are struggling with their weight is break those emotional anchors to the food. And I remember... I remember when I did this with sugar, because for me, it was ice cream. I, I used to have ice cream. My mom never let me have ice cream, but I used to have ice cream with my grandpa. And my grandpa was the person I loved the most in the whole wide world. So all summer long, when I would visit them every night, me and my grandpa would eat ice cream together. So I had, and it was literally the time in my life that I felt the most loved. So whenever I was tired, not feeling good, all of that, my unconscious mind's like, oh, let's get, let's get some ice cream. Yeah. And, you know, in the moment, it makes you feel good. I mean, you even think about like, oh, you see it all the time. We're like, oh, break up, eat ice cream. It's because we've yeah. anchored these bad foods to celebration and times yeah. of feeling loved. And this is what it, so we turn to it and by breaking those unconscious associations that's a big part of freeing you up from those ties to eating crappy food totally totally and to be fair there there is a chemical component right so when we eat food totally. we have a chemical reaction so this is where i had mentioned earlier in my work it's a combination of mindset and habits, right? Because the, the they're both at play. This is why I always say that like, this is why diets are not sustainable in the long run for most of us is because of exactly what you're talking about, Janae. There's the associations that then we don't wanna have to fight against. But then there's also the chemical response that we have that when you eat ice cream, for example, your body has a different chemical reaction than when you eat a salad. <laughs> like just, and I'm just talking chemistry. And so yeah. it's that combination. That's why we need both. That's why just following a diet doesn't work for most of us. And that's also why doing just the mindset work without actually then changing that isn't going to work in the long run either. Right. And so it's that combination of, of mindset plus what you're actually doing. That's going to make the, the, the long-term lifestyle shift as opposed to just a phase or a habit, or I'm sorry, a phase or a, uh, a diet. No, absolutely. When we, I mean, there's the thing, there's the couple of chemical responses. So when you have that anchor to the love, like when you first have it, you get that oxytocin thing. And so that's what you're, you get that release of the oxytocin or the dopamine or whatever the food is linked to for you. And it also creates all the other responses, the chemical responses in the body, which is like the sugar, like rush and then down and all of the stuff that ultimately ends up leaving you feeling like crap. Mm -hmm. And that's why like when I go into the grocery store and I'm 
wandering around, like people that are naturally thin, so they say, right? Naturally thin. People this, I mean, one of the ways, one of the things about a lot of the work I do is they've studied, like, here's the person that has the best result of what you want. And so they study how they think and what their thought process is and all of that. And what happens is instead of the thought process of like, oh, give me the food. Oh, there's not going to be enough. Uh, da, 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 their thought process is... Well, how's this going to make me feel? So they might have two bites of that cheesecake because it tastes really lovely, but they know if they eat the whole piece, it's not going to make them feel very good. They've created this link, this association of what the food is, a habit, a neural pathway, whatever you want to call it, a habit of noticing what the food is, a, realizing what it's going to make them feel like, and then choosing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So tell me what, uh, what is the big number one thing that you see clients, your clients, and even people that are not your clients sabotaging themselves with food? What is the big thing, the big like source that you've discovered? Self-worth, a lack of self-worth. Totally. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. That is one of my big, big things. I'm actually in the process of putting together a self-worth course, but it is the thing I always say that it is the number one saboteur of your life in everything, especially we get into that scarcity model, right? If you do not feel like you deserve yeah. to be rich, to be thin and happy and all of those things. If you do not feel like you truly deserve it, you're never, your unconscious mind will never let you have it. That's right. And so when you transform that, everything, I mean, it affects everything. And I love, I love, love, love that you are focused on transforming women's relationship to food, but in process as you're transforming their self-worth, it is going to tendril out into everything. That's the whole plan. I know it's so sneaky, right? Here, so sneaky. let me just, let me just hook you in on this thing that's been occupying your mind like crazy. Yeah. Come in. Yeah. And while we do this, while we give you the tools to actually heal this part of your life, it's going to open up yeah. everything else. Well, because I always say it's not really about the food. Like we, we don't overeat because of the food. Um, we're overeating because food is numbing something else. Food is masking something else. The experience of eating, the chemistry and the psychology, right, of eating, meaning how we feel when we eat and the result we get from eating is a distractor again from the uh, all the other pieces right so it's the part where you maybe are feeling really um disappointed in your marriage or you're feeling uh really bored at work or you never fulfilled your potential i just had a client say to me um recently uh this year i've worked with her for a couple of years and adore her and she um you know the first year and a half that we worked together she 
hasn't really expressed any real interest in doing any other work than what she's currently doing um, as a professional. And then she recently mentioned that she'd always had a dream to do something else. And, but she felt like her ship had sailed and she was 32 when she said this to me. And I was all, what? What? <laughs> What do you mean your ship has sailed, right? But like, and so what I mean is that I, I I tell that story because a lot of times, like I'm sure Janae, you see this all the time. It's so under the surface. We've already stuffed it down that we're not even conscious that we still have these desires for ourselves and our lives that we're not even entertaining because we have these crazy thoughts like our ship has sailed or we're not worthy or right. we couldn't possibly, or I have too many obligations to other people. What would happen to my kids? What would happen at work? What would happen? Like we have all these other things. And so much of this is about people pleasing and what I call obligation thinking that we as women are really socialized to, um, to do and to, to, to live our lives in this way that we're not even aware that it's under there. And so when you learn how to stop eating when you're not truly hungry. Um, and when you learn how to stop using food to manage your feelings, then all you're left with are the feelings. And that is really hard and really uncomfortable when you have the tools though, it helps, but then it's like, okay, well, what do I do with this now? And so that's why I've had so many women who have started working with me for what they thought was just weight loss and ended up, like I said, building businesses, changing careers, leaving their marriages, starting new ones. Like these massive life transformations happen because what happens is when you stop using food to numb out, you find, well, then now I got to do something about these things in my life that I'm not really loving. And that's why, I, that's why my podcast is called the life you crave, because it, that's what it's really about. When you stop using food in that way, it opens you up to then actually create the life that you crave as opposed to yep. the cheesecake. And one of the things that I always say to, to my women, because of that thought that you mentioned earlier, there's now a fly in here. Sorry, it's going to be zooming around. Um, but that thought that you mentioned, uh, you know, like you, if you don't think that you deserve to, you know, feel good and all the things, so many of us, our thought is, I deserve this brownie. I had a hard day. I deserve that bottle yeah. of wine. And I always say to my women, no, it's not the brownie that you deserve. It's a deep sense of life satisfaction and love and like all of these things is what you actually deserve. Um, you deserve to rest most of all. You deserve to relax most of all. And you're not actually going to find it in the brownie, even though that in that moment, your brain thinks the brownie is the answer, right? But it's not. Right. You deserve so much more than a brownie, you know? Right. You do. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, it's so intense, the things that we decide that's a treat, right? What does it actually give us? It gives us this moment of instant gratification and really it makes us not feel good. So it's, yeah. it's so crazy how we do this. I remember even when I was a kid and my like friend and her sister would be like, okay, well, we're going to go on a bike ride so that we can eat this thing. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, and I think it's really important to understand that the feelings and the emotions are such a big part of it. And the numbing is such a big part of it. When we clear that stuff away, 
it's just, I mean, it's with anything. Are you Netflix binging? I mean, it's okay to Netflix binge once in a while. It's okay to overeat once in a while. It's okay to overdrink once in a while. But when you're doing it on a regular basis and you start to become aware that you're doing it to avoid your emotions, and we don't think of lots of us, I mean, we look at like, oh, you use alcohol or drugs to avoid feeling your emotions. You are bad. And then if it's like food or if it's TV or social media or whatever it is, it's the same thing. The yeah. consequences on the body may not be as intense. Or as and, public. And yeah. As public, right? That's one of the things that like for, for people who overeat, we tend to have this it's like everybody can see that you have a problem versus right. if you're just numbing out on Netflix, like you're saying, like people might not even know it's so private. Yeah. So the shame right. factor totally ups the ante there. Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember like stopping and getting a pastry or something or I'd get two and I'd be like, oh, yeah, my friend. Um, yeah, I, I take it. You can put it in the same bag. You know, I'm just bringing it for my friend that's at my house. Like these things that like, I'm like, whatever, I'll eat them all if I want. Like, I don't care. Like, right. I don't carry, well, I don't carry that emotion anymore with me. Yes. Well, and like, so, um, Shane is on and Shane said, and I want to say hi to Jana. Hi, Jana. I'm so happy you're here. Um, Shane says, sometimes you just got to have that brownie. The trick is to only have half and let the other half go. And what I would say to that, Shane, I love that, first of all. But what I would say to that is, for me, it's always like, like, Janae, you were just saying, like, it's okay to, like, overeat and overdrink sometimes. It's just, you know, when it's perpetually a problem. And what I actually say to that is, it's it's all okay. Like, you can do whatever the fuck you want. You're a grown-ass human. And for, for me, it's like, you're a grown woman. You can do whatever you want. My question for myself, though, and the one that I share with my clients is always, but do I like my reasons? Right. So like if I choose to over if I choose to eat a brownie, do I like my reasons for eating that brownie? Because sometimes I do eat brownies. Right. It, but yeah. I really want to make sure that I like my reasons for eating the brownie. And it's not just because I'm having some urge and I've had a long day and I'm tired. Totally. And excited. Because then it does. The thing is, is usually if I want a brownie, I'm eating a brownie because we do anything. And I'm sure, Janae, you teach this, too. The only reason we do anything is because we think it's going to make us feel differently. So we're like, we're thinking we're going to up level our feelings by doing something, right? This is why we do anything. This is why you brush your teeth because you think you're going to feel better if your mouth is clean and you don't have cavities, right? So like, this is why we do anything is to feel, we think it's going to make us feel better in some capacity. So if I'm eating a brownie, for me, a lot of the time it would have been, I didn't actually feel better afterwards. I would feel worse afterwards to your point, G, which was like, how right. am I going to after I have this thing. But when now when I eat a brownie, I enjoy the F out of that brownie. And I don't have the feeling of shame or guilt after because I like my reasons for eating the brownie. I didn't just eat it because I was anxious or because I was tired or because I was having an urge. Those are not reasons that I want to be eating. I ate the brownie because my kid made it and I'm super excited. To, Jana just asked this question in my group recently. And I'm super excited to enjoy something that my child made. But the, 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 so but so the, in that case, to Shane's point, I would probably eat half because I know eating a whole brownie would probably not leave me feeling great physically. Right. So it's like, do I like my reasons for it is is really the only and only you can decide. Like, I never can tell my client don't eat a brownie because I have no idea if if they are going to like their reasons for eating a brownie or not. Um, exactly. And so it's always that question of do I like my reasons? So if I'm over drinking, which 
I've been known to do a few times. Do I like my reason? So if I'm just over drinking because it's Friday, I do not like that reason. I don't want to feel like crap on Saturday morning. Now, if I'm going to Janae's birthday party, I'm going to plan to over drink a little. Like I'm going to plan to have some fun. I don't even know if you drink anymore, but I'd be drinking. Yeah, I do. I do. Not, not much anymore. I'm like a two drink, but I might occasionally three. Right. Exactly. And I might decide that that's good. I, I like my reasons. I know I'm going to have a little hangover tomorrow. I might have a little headache, but it's, I'm, I'm intentionally doing it. And I'm sure this is what you get into G with your clients because it's coming from that place of like, I'm choosing this. I'm empowering myself. I'm exactly. not being pulled by an emotion that now I feel guilt and shame around, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's exactly that. It's the choice, right? You get to choose what you're going to, how you're going to react or respond to a situation. Like if you have a stressful day at work, how are you going to choose? And sometimes I like last night after finishing, you know, this long stretch, I was like, you know what? I really want to go out and have a glass of wine. And yeah. I did. And it was not that big of a deal. I was very conscious. I'm like, I yeah. just want to actually yeah. numb down just a little bit. Totally. So, but there's a strong conscious aspect of it. Did I sit there and have four glasses of wine? So I would be up feeling like, hi, Leah. <laughs> Hello. How are you? No. Water. Because, that, because that wasn't, that wasn't in my overall plan of how I want to be in my life today, tomorrow, whatever oh. it is. Yeah. It's. Yes. Yes. And, and because even here's the powerful thing about when you shifted the unconscious level. And I know because you've done, been doing this work for so long, maybe not in the beginning, the unconscious mind had shifted, but you've been in this maintenance like ease for a long time now. So it's my guess is that your unconscious mind is, you know, on board with the captain of the ship, the conscious mind. And yeah. once you shift there, you still have control when you do have some drinks. So mm -hmm. yeah, the uh, alcohol actually numbs down the default mode network in your brain, which mm -hmm. the default mode network is sort of that barrier between the con conscious mind and the unconscious mind. And Leah, you bartended in the past too. So you can see it. And now I'm sure you can see it. If you look back in a totally different way, the drunker people are, the more they are operating from their unconscious mind and their, all their childhood wounds are coming up. So if somebody really felt like you might have seen this, if you've ever spent any time in a bar, you might have seen the person that doesn't say anything and then once they get really drunk, they talk really, they talk so much and you're just like, oh God, get me away from this person. They're talking my ear off. And mm -hmm. oftentimes that person did not feel heard as a kid. So as they're conscious, they tend to, that unconscious programming is usually act to stay quiet and to stay small. And then you take away that default mode network, you numb it with alcohol and they're like, okay, now I get to be everything I wanted to be. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's yeah. coming from a wounded child place. And when we get the conscious mind and the unconscious mind in alignment, even when you get drunk, you're still acting like yourself. This is one of the things that 
you see some people that drink a lot and they become a very different person and, or they, this is a big one, you know, you get drunk and you go to the diner, get that burger, milkshake and French fries again, because the conscious mind is softened in that position. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. It's fascinating to watch, right? It's really fascinating. (laughs) <laughs> the brain is such a crazy thing. I know. I know. It's so fun. So what, how, for people listening and watching today, what would be a tip? What would you say um, something for them to be? Oh, actually, before we do that, what would you say? Because you work with women, I'm sure all age ranges. What would you say? to women that are struggling with like going into like perimenopause and menopause where that shifts in the body, the chemical reactions in the body, and they're struggling even more with their weight than they ever did before. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So this is a really interesting one. Um, in, in my experience, um, the stories that we tell ourselves about perimenopause and menopause have a bigger impact on our weight than the, the actual reality of, don't get me wrong. I'm not diminishing that our bodies do 100% change. I mean, hormonally, like we can't deny this, right? (laughs) Estrogen levels, like the whole cycle thing goes away. Right. So, so there is a real, um, there is a real physiological aspect, obviously, of menopause, and I don't in any way want to um, deny that or diminish that. But I think that the actual impact that, uh, or the potential for impact that that has on our bodies is much smaller than the story that we're telling ourselves about it, which is, oh my God, I hit 40 and like I just can't seem to lose any weight anymore. Because what happens is when we tell ourselves that story, then that basically just opens up all of that permissive, I call permissive thinking of, so I might as well not even try. I might as well go eat the ice cream sundae every day. I might as well, you know, stop even trying. And, uh, and in my experience, and I have worked with dozens of women who are, um, you know, either peri or current or post-menopausal, and I have not ever once found a woman who could not uh, find what I call food freedom, which is peace with food and lose weight while also, um, either, you know, being perimenopausal or even postmenopausal. never once has it happened. Um, but I think it's just the stories we tell. It's very similar to, um, women will sometimes tell themselves this when it comes to, um, like having kids, like, well, once I had kids, it's just all over. I can't possibly feel good in my own skin again. I can't possibly you know, get my body back. And that's one thing that I, um, I don't promote anything about, uh, you know, this called like pre baby weight or anything like that. Cause it's not about pre baby weight. It's just about our, is your relationship with food. I, I, I talk a lot about natural weight and people will ask me, cause that is the language that I use because there is no ideal weight for any of us. It's just, what is your natural weight so that you can live at that natural place for yourself. And so when people ask me, well, what do you mean by natural weight? What I mean is what do you weigh when you are not struggling with food? That is your natural weight, right? (laughs) Right? And so if you're not struggling at all with food, if you are at peace with food, whatever you weigh, do you like what you're eating? You like your reasons for eating? You feel good with your relationship with food? That's your natural weight. 
Um, right. And that can shift and change throughout the course of your life. So your natural weight during menopause may or may not be different from your natural weight when you were 20. If any of us even knows what our natural weight when we were 20 was, because we were generally, you know, all, <laughs> all in our head. Ah. But, yeah. but the idea there is that you have a natural weight, peri and postmenopausal. You do have a natural weight there. And it's a really about your relationship with food. That's how you'll be able to find that place for yourself and really learn to stop telling yourself the stories of I can't and this won't ever happen for me anymore because of some natural body chemistry that's going on. I, I, I don't believe that that's true at all. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And I want to share two things when we talk about the stories we tell ourselves. So it's 2021. I was done with menopause in 2017. So I went through it early, but I also had no idea I was going through menopause. Yeah. I had had a crazy eye infection like the year, year and a half before, and I had was on steroids for a long time. So my story was that the steroids were screwing with my cycle. But because I just thought that was it and I was working with a naturopath to get all my hormones balanced out, I did not have any symptoms. I had a few like hormonal, like really hormonal breakdowns. Yeah. Maybe two. Yeah. In that whole time. That's it. I did not have hot flashes. I did not have any of the things. And because my mindset was that this is not what was happening to me. I did not think that I was going through menopause. So my brain did not think to expect all of these symptoms. Yeah. And one other quick thing about stories. So this is one thing that I uncovered in my unconscious mind. The times in my life when I was really skinny, where I thought I looked really good, I was really unhappy. It was mm -hmm. after a big breakup when I was 27. I lost 30 pounds in a month, mm -hmm. but I was probably the most unhappy that I ever was. Uh, there was a period of time when I was 16, when I was working out like crazy and I got my body to look really good. And I also had 13 emotional, big emotional events happen within 15 months. So I was also very unhappy. So my unconscious mind actually kept me in this weight range of when I was happy. It never let me drop below 142 because that's like I was skinnier than that was the mark of my happiness right it uh, never let me get above a certain weight so my unconscious mind actually kept me in this age in this weight range for my entire life and what I uncovered in my unconscious mind was that it was trying to the, your unconscious mind is always has a positive purpose, even if it's not creating the results that you want. It was trying to prevent me from being unhappy because it linked, oh, when she's skinny, she's unhappy. And it, it made that link. So it never let me get skinnier than 142. Yeah. And it never let me get fatter than 161 because, again, it was like I was unhappy at that. So it literally is like those numbers yeah. down in between. Right? Such a trip, right? Trip, yeah. Um, I'm sure you've read, have you read, maybe your listeners haven't, um, 
uh, Gay Hendricks, The Big Leap. Um, the Big Leap. Yeah. It's, it's upper limiting right? where it's like, oh, you can only get so far and then I'm going to keep you down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, because of that I think it was actually that book that sparked me to make that revelation. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's fascinating. It's and I mean, you know, a lot of this, like people might classify as being woo woo, but Gay Hendricks is a, was a psychologist at Stanford university. So this is not like, <laughs> go read it. If you haven't read it, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's Janae is talking about. It's yeah. a great leap. So yeah. Leah, tell the people about all of the things that you have to offer, how they can work with you, what, where they can find you, all of the things. Tell us all the things. Yeah, I'll tell you all the things. Um, so you can find me at leahpinelli.com. That's not too hard um, to learn a little bit more about my work. But I have a podcast that I love. Um, and actually, for the month of September, if you're watching this live right now for the rest of the month, each Monday I have dropped a new episode called Back to Basics, um, which is all about it's September is a crazy time for, for my women um, with back to school for kids. A lot of my women are educators. So it's it's just it's transitioning from summer fun to like back to the grind. Um, so I'm doing a podcast series in September, which is really about getting back to basics for you. Just very, very simple, sustainable uh, uh, practices. Um, one practice in particular, really, um, that is really designed to help you stop overeating if that's something that you're struggling with. Um, and so you can check that out at the Life You Crave podcast, anywhere you get your podcasts. That'll be this month. Next month, I'm planning on the podcast. I'm so excited. It's the first place I'm announcing it. Um, but uh, focusing really heavily on the concept of overing because my women tend to overwork, overgive, and overeat. Um, and so really targeting in on a lot of the stuff that Janae is talking about, which is it's like, what is driving us to over in the first place so that we can actually address those issues and, um, and get different results. So that'll be next month. Um, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a spin on radical self-care. So I, I in, encourage you to join me there. Again, that was the Life You Create podcast. All of the links will be, um, somewhere here. Yeah. Um, but that is that is a great way to get to know me and my work. Of course, I'm on social media. You can always check me out there. And if you want to connect, um, even just to have like a virtual coffee date, I would love that. And you can find my link on my website. If you just go to leahpinelli.com and click on work with me or connect um, or contact, I'm sorry, contact. And we can just chat about whatever it is that you're struggling with. Yeah. Yeah. I have all the links in the notes, so you guys should be able to find them quickly and easily, which is awesome. And, you know, I know what a joy you are to be around and to be with. So I know that working with you is amazing. Mm. And I also know that working with me is amazing. <laughs> because I can say I actually worked with Janaea, not as a coach, but as a bartender and working with her is amazing for sure. So I work with people, as you guys know, to shift to that unconscious programming so it can free you up. So you can eliminate that mind chatter and really create the life that you want, the life that you deserve. deserve. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing. 
The reason I do what I do is because I want to make your life easier. As you are not fighting against that mutiny ship of your unconscious mind, when you're crew is in line with the captain, it makes everything easier. So that's why I do what I do. And if you want to make your life easier, you can book a free step up call with me and we can explore doing some work. And or you go to my website, sign up for my mailing list because I'm going to have some e-courses coming out soon. So you can kind of dip in to getting some unconscious mind shifting happening for you without maybe taking the big leap yet, though the big leap is transformational as F and really amazing. All right, Leah. I feel like I could talk to you for four more hours. <laughs> yeah, we could. We're going to have to get together. I wish I was in San Francisco with you. Okay. So everybody, thank you guys for watching and listening. And thank you so much, Leah, for joining us and bringing your wisdom, your brightness, and your spirit to the world today with me. Uh, thank you, everybody. And we will see you next time. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment, give it a rating, pass it along to your friends, follow it. These actions help other people find this podcast, and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a beautiful day.